Hello, and welcome to my podcast, where I, as a psychologist and priest, examine the gospel. My name is Peter Doherty. I'm a Catholic priest and a psychologist who integrates both psychology and scripture studies to understand the gospels and to seek out practical teachings. Today, we are focusing on Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40. This gospel gospel will be read October 29th, 2023 in Catholic churches. It's a short but profound gospel. Jesus is asked by a lawyer, what is the greatest commandment? Compared to last week's gospel, the question appears sincere. Debating scripture was as popular then as it is today. It's an excellent question. This gospel is aspirational. We are called to love God. As simple as this gospel is, there's a very powerful challenge to love God with our whole heart and soul. We may feel very broken in our desire to live this gospel. It appears absolute and insurmountable. And wait, there's more. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. More on that later. Let's start by examining the first part, loving God with our whole heart, soul, and with all your mind. Truthfully, we may find this gospel as a challenge, maybe even an impossibility. People have an easier time fearing God, viewing him as a judge, Others may see God as distant, hardly relevant to modern living. It's difficult to love someone you don't know. There is a strong you-get-what-you-deserve mentality in our culture. It's not bad, and there's lots of evidence that this concept is alive and well in our culture. Remember the story of the landowner who hires workers throughout the day and pays them all the same daily wage. That's in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 16. After reading it, don't you have sympathy for the workers who worked all day, but get the same wage as those who worked only an hour? Just not fair. But God's ways are not our ways. You cannot force love. The best you can do is put yourself in positions where love can flourish. One needs to experience love before they can love. For many people, loving and trusting God is difficult because they're trust has been damaged, and love for them has always been conditional. I have to admit that God has often been portrayed as someone to be feared, that we will be judged, often without mercy. I even remember as a child being frightened that I might accidentally die before I went to the Sacrament of Reconciliation and thus go straight to hell. How unlucky can one get, and what an incredibly tragic and poor understanding of God. Sometimes people may have issues with their own father, so seeing God as father is an image that leads them away from a loving relationship with God. Sadly, bad things happen to good people. Many people have felt abandoned by God because of some great loss in their lives. Understandably, they are unable to reconcile what happened to them with the notion of an all-loving God. Unfortunately, God's ways are not our ways and for us to understand. Yet other people who have experienced losses in their lives have found themselves leaning on God for support. One of the questions I like to ask people is, what does God have to do to get your attention? I suspect many people don't recognize God's spirit in their life because they're not expecting to see God there. They're making the same mistake the Pharisees made. The Pharisees despite all their training, did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah because Jesus did not fulfill their expectations of what the Messiah was supposed to do. 
The purpose of my question is to get people reflecting on where they will recognize God's presence in their lives. The ability to recognize the actions of God in our lives is critical for our faith to grow. Otherwise, God is just a concept, a supreme being at best. Is God only present when good things are happening in our life? Is God absent when we are struggling or in big trouble? Is our prayer only valid when we feel good afterwards? I urge you to reevaluate where God can be present with you. It makes sense to pray to be delivered from a crisis or loss or pain. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, just hours before his crucifixion, he did pray for deliverance from the task that lay ahead of him. I urge you, however, to also pray for wisdom, the ability to see and hear what God is speaking to you as you go through the valley, your own personal valley of death. Pray also to see the lesson that is being offered to you. In every crisis or issue, we are offered lessons about life, God, and ourselves. Prayer is also important for us to love God. Prayer doesn't have to be long or elaborate. I am reminded of Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes the busyness of our lives drowns out the gentle voice of God. I recognize that for many, carving out time in their busy schedules is a challenge. Taking a few minutes to meditate, catch your breath, and maybe a short prayer may be enough. You are spending time with God. If you're like most people, when you try to meditate, you can hear your brain still processing, thinking about what you need to do or analyzing something from the past. These distractions are normal and don't invalidate your prayer. Try to gently let them go. Personally, when that happens to me, I try reciting a prayer like the Our Father. When I'm finished, I usually have a minute or two of silence before my brain re-engages the dialogue. Try slowly reciting your favorite prayer each time you find yourself or your mind wandering. Don't worry if you spend most of your time in prayer, reciting prayers. It's a great first start. Reading the Gospels can be helpful. Many of the issues that Jesus deals with are very similar to what we are living. Dare to see yourself even in the scriptures. The words that Jesus is saying are being said directly to you. I have a few more suggestions to help you increase your ability to love God. Cultivate a sense of gratitude. Gratitude is good for one's mental health and is critical for the development of faith. One of the unexpected results of COVID is that we were confronted with how many things in our life we, are taking, we take for granted. The saying, you only know what you have until it's gone, fits very well here. I suspect we take for granted many blessings we have in our life. Even our achievements had help. A growing awareness of our blessings will deepen our faith and our ability to love. The second part of this gospel is a trial too. Loving your neighbor as yourself raises its own set of questions. For many, loving their neighbor as themselves is not difficult because they don't love themselves. That is a true tragedy. We see this when people are so critical of themselves. I will even go as far as to say that even people who feel entitled don't truly love themselves. I suspect that part of the reason why they don't love themselves is because they were taught loving yourself was a source of pride or being self-centered. Not wanting to be selfish, people were taught to put themselves down. Later in this gospel, Jesus is asked by the same lawyer, who is my neighbor? 
Jesus tells the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. It's clear by the answer that Jesus understands the notion of neighbor as not a geographic concept, but that everyone is our neighbor. Loving one's neighbor is even more of a challenge. It's not as difficult to love people who are like ourselves, share our views and culture. It's more of a challenge to love someone who is different, does not share our perspectives on life, or that we know little about who they are. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 44, we are called to, and I quote, love your enemies, bless them who curse you, do good to them who hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus doesn't leave any loopholes here. There are serious challenges in this gospel. We are called to not let the actions of others negatively impact our ability to follow the teachings of Jesus. It will mean we will be misunderstood. Maybe we'll be taken advantage of, and it's unlikely we will be loved back. Hey, doesn't this sound like the life of Jesus? I have a few more suggestions. Have a sincere desire to be a loving person. It doesn't always come naturally. Be ready to give the benefit of the doubt to actions that seem ambiguous or potentially damaging. You may not be able to trust them, but be open if they act trustworthy. Jesus makes it clear that these two commandments are the foundations of our faith. We need to take them seriously. We may not be ready to live these commandments fully today, but I urge you to reflect on Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 11, and I quote, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Paul had to grow in his own understanding of his mission. Jesus did not begin his life as a man. He had to grow up like all humans. Just be on the journey. I'd like to close today's reflection with a quote from Mother Teresa. The task is not to do big things, but to do small things with great love. Thank you for listening. If this is the first time you've heard my podcast and you are interested in hearing more, I urge you to listen to my first podcast where I outline my approach. Also, you can reach me by email at peter.doherty, O-M-I, at gmail.com. That's peter.doherty, at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions on how I can make this podcast more effective, please let me know. As you've probably guessed, and as I've mentioned, I'm new to podcasting, and I'm very open to growing and learning. Take care, and God bless you.